Indeed, it is the pound-for-pound special preview of this Saturday's fight between Sergey Kovalev and Andre Ward here on November the 16th, 2016. My name is James Cargan. Alongside me is the voice of God, Tom Drizuli, our venerable producer, the executive producer of WFAV Sports, Bob Ahrens. And we have a very special guest here today to talk about the business side of this bout, the VP of production at HBO Sports, Mr. Dave Harmon. Dave, how are you doing today? Thanks for having me, and you scare me with the business side. I'm the producer of the pay-per-view, so I can talk oh, about yes. the fight. I can talk about whatever you need. Oh, absolutely, and uh, we will get to all of that, but just first off, we're all excited about the fight. This is the first real legitimate super fight in boxing probably since the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. Can you just talk about you know the general feeling, if there's any the optimism over at HBO Sports adds to how this production and how successful this pay-per-view has the potential to be? Oh, and I totally agree with you. This is the, the biggest, the only super fight since, since Mayweather Pacquiao. And so we are excited. You know, you can have lots of fights with Sergey Kovalev knocking guys out. You can have Andre Ward coming back from a long layoff at a new weight division, light heavyweight, after he's dominated the 168-pound division for so long, and have all the intrigue in, in the world. But until they fight each other, it's all just the appetizer. And finally, we get the main event, the main course here, and we are so excited. Uh, we call it a 50-50 fight, a toss-up, and nothing's better in sports than that. So we finally get this super fight coming in this Saturday, you know there's going to be more eyeballs on the product than there is typically. This is based more of the time to bring out some of those new bells and whistles production side. Are you looking at anything like that that you're going to change up production-wise with so many more eyeballs on the product? Now that's funny um, that that's your assumption. I find that when you try the bells and whistles, it's when you're, you don't have that many eyeballs. So that by the time you get to the big one, you're not possibly embarrassed by something that isn't working or wasn't beta tested well enough. So I would say all the things we've done for the last few years in adding um, a super slow-mo camera to every camera we have a replay on, uh, all the different microphones that we've now gone to, um, you know, the surround sound 5.1 audio, all the different things, it's business as usual for us on this fight because uh, it's the the best way to put our best foot forward with nobody watching our telecast on pay-per-view saying, what was that? What just happened? We want to be like the ref in the fight. No one notices us. That's, a, that's a, an excellent way to put it. Now, in terms of the number of buys that this pay-per-view gets, of course, we'll all have eyes on that number in terms of the health of the sport of boxing. What do you expect the number to be And do you think that the recent uh, wave of pay-per-views with the Pacquiao being two weeks ago and last week's UFC pay-per-view, do you think that those will have any effect on the number of buys that this fight gets? Well, as far as the UFC, we have not really found a relationship. While there are some fight fans who, who follow both the UFC and boxing, 
We haven't found much evidence that that one of those affects the other. Uh, as far as the Pacquiao, um, fight fans have known for about four months that both of these were coming, and we kind of have felt like everyone has made a decision in advance. Are they going to buy both? Are they going to buy one? Uh, hopefully they don't buy neither. And so there's not much we can really do about that. It's sort of like... You you just don't have like in politics you don't have that many undecideds in these things and people decided a while back which is more important to them the Manny Pacquiao fight or the Kovalev Ward fight and you know I I I don't have an I don't really have an opinion on what the number of buys will be um, that's very much a promoter issue and not an HBO pay per view issue. Um, main, main events in Rock Nation are the promoters. Uh, HBO is a partner of theirs, but the fighters and the promoters are the ones who directly are affected by the pay-per-view numbers. And HBO's deal um, is, is, is between us and the promoters once the promoters get paid for the pay-per-view. Talking about that Pacquiao fight, a lot of the speculation going into it that somewhat outweighed the speculation for the fight itself between Pacquiao and Vargas was how top rank itself was going to do in producing their own pay-per-view instead of going through an outlet like HBO or Showtime. What did you see from that presentation, if you watched it at all, that was different or something that they took from you guys or something that just stuck out to you production-wise with top rank promoting their own pay-per-view as opposed to going through a, a network like you guys? Well, the first thing is we partner with them on all the shows that Top Rank and HBO does together. I'm doing December 10th. Uh, Terrence Crawford's going to be fighting in Omaha on a Top Rank card again that I'm producing, for instance. And so they produce the international versions of all of our shows as it is. So they they weren't neophytes in this. We, we're familiar with the producer and, and, and the director of their show, and we trust them. And what they put on the air for the Pacquiao pay-per-view was perfectly fine. There was nothing wrong with it at all. What was different for them is in adding Stephen A. Smith to their broadcast team. Um, that was something different that um, I give Bob Aram all the credit in the world for having um, the idea in the first place to do something like that. And like Stephen A. on everything he does, um, everyone has an opinion on whether they like him or don't. And so I'll leave that to the listener to decide whether they like that or not. Could that have been a response to HBO having Max Kellerman trying to take the second half of first take? <laughs> yes. I, I actually think one of the things that Max has done by um, – I happen to know that they're friends off the air as well, as well as the, that they bring a little bit more boxing talk on first take. Yes, they do. Is that, is that Stephen A. has become more of a boxing – more knowledgeable boxing fan with Max's help. Max Kellerman is a historian of boxing, and so between what he knows about the history, what he knows about the current game, um, it's rubbed off on Stephen A. So, yeah, I, I actually think that – there was a link there. I got to ask this question because ever since I started watching fights on HBO when Max Kellerman was hired, I've been a huge fan of him. And as you mentioned, he's a real student of the game with his knowledge. What's it been like working with him over the years? 
Uh, he's great. Uh, I really enjoy working with Max. Not only does he know everything about the game, but you know he he sees fights. I mean, certainly he's not Roy Jones. Roy Jones is uniquely qualified in that for us as our as as our analyst. But as our quote third man in the booth, Max Kellerman sees things in the ring also. So not only does he know the history, not only does he know and have the respect of all the current fighters, but then he knows his actual boxing and his technique too. And so that's the, that's a triple threat that's extremely valuable to our telecast. You know, some third person in the booth type situations, like the person winds up coming in from left field sometimes, you know, is they're trying to make some sort of point that hasn't been made before, and they can try a little hard to do that. And our three men in the booth aren't like that because Max has so much game. Now, the voice, of course, of HBO World Championship Boxing is Jim Lampley. You've worked with Jim for a long time at HBO. How has your professional and working relationship as a producer evolved over the years with Jim? Well, Jim Lampley uh, is amazing at what he does. He came to HBO a finished product as an announcer. He had worked on every sport. He had worked on, at that point, probably 10 Olympics uh, as a host. You know, uh, there's nothing he hadn't done at already by that time. So when I first worked with him as a producer, I would say it was 20 years ago, it, it, it took time for him to trust that someone in his ear could possibly help him. You know, he, uh, why wouldn't he think that he knows more about television and more about his sport than anyone around him when you're Jim Lampley? But he wound up not having that kind of ego. And instead, I wound up uh, proving to Jim that I didn't know what I was talking about, too, both in television and in boxing. And he now says that he relies on me, you know, as much as anyone he's ever worked with, as a person he trusts, that if I tell him something's important in his ear, that it's worth considering if that's where he was going with what he was going to say. We're talking a lot here about production, the announce team, None of that stuff really matters, though, unless the fight that's being put on television is a fight people want to see. How would you assess the state of boxing right now? You've been in it a long time. How would you assess it? Boxing seems like one of those um, things like the weather. It comes and it goes really quickly. Um, if, if, if Mayweather Pacquiao had been uh, an unbelievable fight, a war, uh, something that people talked about for days or, or, or weeks afterwards. What a different boxing universe it would have been when you have over 4 million people watching a, a, a fight. But it didn't happen. So we went through the weather in a little bit of a cloudy, uh, rainy period. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to believe that between Kovalev and Ward, between uh, Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin, and to appoint Terrence Crawford, we'll see where that heads with him, that HBO is going in the right direction for the weather to be 
uh, sunny in boxing once again from our standpoint. Um, you know, there are other fighters in the PBC, and I'm um, not really in the in the business of giving uh, my opinion on someone else's stable of fighters. But if you follow boxing and you know the um, the, the other fighters out there, um, HBO isn't the only entity with excellent fighters. But if you do look at Ring Magazine's t- uh, top 10 pound-for-pound list, HBO does have nine of the 10 fighters on that list. So that's why I immediately went to the HBO fighters. Now, and, and, and we're talking with Dave Harmon here on the Pound for Pound podcast, previewing this Saturday night's Kovalev versus Ward, ironically, pound for pound fight. I don't know whether you stole that from us or not. <laughs> but uh, talking about the health and state of boxing, we legitimate super fights have become more and more rare. And, of course, we're all anticipating not just this weekend's bout, but also hopefully the future bout between Canelo and Golovkin. Other than those bouts, including one that hasn't even been agreed upon yet, where do you see the next you know, uh, stable of stars that you can sell as pay-per-views? Where do you see that coming from? Because the Terrence Crawford and Postal Fight didn't really break records on HBO pay-per-view. I think that it's, it's, it's a very hard thing to know who breaks through to the pay-per-view level and who winds up just being a, a, a great, a, a good, solid fighter. I loved watching Arturo Gatti fight, mm-hmm. but, he was not a pay, but he was not a pay-per-view fighter. Uh, Vladimir Klitschko may have held longevity records, but he was not a pay-per-view fighter. Absolutely. Uh, I, so, so it's very hard to predict it. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to some other fights. I do think that if Vladimir Klitschko fights Anthony Joshua, I think that's an interesting fight between you know the old guard and what could be a really interesting new guard of fighter. Uh, you know, I would say that jumps out at me as something I'm interested in seeing. And, you know, Golovkin may wind up fighting Danny Jacobs before he ever gets to Canelo. Right. And I'd be interested in that fight. I- I'd love to see if that if that happens, um, you know, what it looks like when those two guys are in the ring together. So I'm not necessarily predicting that all of these things then mean who becomes a pay-per-view star and who just becomes, you know, someone who's entertaining to watch. Chocolatito Gonzalez, another great fighter on HBO. I'm not sure I I, want to see him ever on pay-per-view if I could see him fight live the way Arturo Gatti did on HBO for his whole career. That would be be good enough for me. So we're talking about making stars, and in my opinion at least, it's like 80% the boxer themselves, how they fight, are they an entertaining fighter, are they an action fighter, but then you could probably put the other 20% or less behind the scenes with you guys. What do you guys do on your part to give this person, this boxer, to put them in that position of being a star, and then they have to go out and do the rest? What's your guys' part? Well, some of it is what the fighter is like off, out of the ring. Uh-huh. Um 
You, we can make a 24-7 series um, on anybody. We can make a, a Road to Show or a My Fight, which is the new series we have on HBO where we're profiling and you're learning more about the fighters. But the fighter themselves has to be someone that has that X factor and that it thing that brings them to that next level too. Um, you know, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao were not what they wound up being towards the end of their careers without 24-7. That series showed people how interesting they were, both in the ring and out of the ring, and that helped them. Um, you know, we, we've just finished a, a My Fight on uh, Sergey Kovalev and Andre Ward, where we went back to Sergey's hometown of where he was brought up in Russia. And Andre Ward talked about how difficult it was with uh, parents who both battled uh, addictions. Um, those kind of things are what HBO does to try to get people to uh, care more about the fighters besides just turning on the fight and seeing two guys beat the hell out of each other. Along those lines, I recall distinctly watching the 24-7 for Floyd Mayweather and Ricky Hatton. Yeah. And that was the Love best. That, one. that was the best of all time in my mind. I think that's did so much for Floyd Mayweather's career that as much as really his performances in the ring. I, I, I have to wonder. I, I do know I have watched Road Two and and the My Fight series. Why has there has there been a uh, a drawing away from the twenty four seven brand or do you feel like you know some of these fights don't really uh live up to that billing well the 24/7 brand isn't isn't gone but having done so many episodes of it HBO was feeling the need to sort of be a little more creative in other words to show to go back to Russia with Sergey Kovalev was a big deal for us. We don't do that all the time. And in the 24-7 type model where we're showing them in training camp, there wasn't really room for that kind of, for that kind of segment or that kind of show. So that's one reason is because we wanted to round their, their, their stories out. And the other is that 24-7, um, no matter what, when you're doing a reality series, uh, on sports figures, or you're doing them on, you know, Kardashians. It, it's, it's a show that's dependent on the personality of the person who you're following. You can't make them into something they're not. You know, I've now seen roughly 16 episodes of Miguel Cotto 24-7s, and I love the guy as a fighter, but I... I don't need to see another 24-7 on Miguel Cotto. I, I, I feel like I know everything there is to know about him. So I, I think that's how I'd answer it. Is, is it, The series hasn't gone away, but we want to try to find different avenues to, to, to make people understand what these fighters are like you know, and be more creative than just plugging in the same thing over and over. Well, regardless if you guys are scaling it back or not, I've been a huge fan of 24-7 for years. I think you guys have done some great stuff on that. But uh, 
in terms of all of those fighters you've worked with, you've already mentioned Miguel Cotto, how you've pretty much 16 episodes, you've used them to death at that point. But in all of those fighters that you've worked with years and years and years of 24-7s, who was the best to work with, the most entertaining to work with in your mind? And then was there anyone that was kind of difficult to work with on episodes like that? <laughs> well, the best to work with on 24-7 was Roy Jones. He fought Joe Calzaghe here in New York, and uh, because he just has that aura about him, he had it all. He had the personality, he had interesting things going on with his hunting and fishing, and Mackie Shillstone was giving him, you know, uh, a different things to do with his body, to, to mold his body back from heavyweight down down once again, probably, I think that fight was probably at, at uh, 168. Uh, I, I, I still have a real soft spot for Roy Jones on 24-7. And, you know, as far as difficult, the, difficult isn't really the word. I would say any fighter on 24-7 from another country who doesn't speak English, had two obstacles in 24-7. One is the language barrier, because there's always going to be a hesitancy to to speak English if you're them, and there's always a hesitancy about really expanding on something in your own native language and trusting that someone else is going to translate it correctly. And culturally, because if you're from Mexico, you're from, uh, well, not necessarily Puerto Rico, but if you're in Mexico, you're from Germany, you don't know what HBO fully is, and you don't know what 24-7 is, so you just may not be as willing to give if you don't really know what it's all about. Dave, I know you got to get down to Vegas. I just want to get you out of here with one more thing. Who you got this weekend? <laughs> I am the producer of the live pay-per-view <laughs> that's going to be on Saturday night. I don't think anyone would want to know what the producer was picking, rooting for, hoping for, anything. I want to be seen as I am, as I just call it as I see it. We don't go in, in with any preconceived notions, so you will get a fair telecast that whatever happens in the ring that night, we're not going, ah, oh, I'm really disappointed in that. Eh, maybe, you know, you don't want to have to have any maybes. You want to be able to say, okay, you know what, down the middle. You know, I, I know that if you're an announcer, it's even harder because everyone always says, you know, uh, oh, you were so fa you know, favoring that, that fighter during the, during the telecast. Or if you're a football guy, you were favoring that team during the telecast. I know how, you know, Joe Buck always oh, yeah. talks about that. Um, the only way around that is to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> so I'm going to say I'm keeping my mouth shut. And I want to see what's going to happen in the ring as much as any boxing fan does. As Jerry Rafferty says, right down the line. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Harmon, thank you so much for joining us here on Pound for Pound. Enjoy the fight. Enjoy Las Vegas. And best of luck on the broadcast. We will all be watching. And thanks again. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, guys.